0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Our crossover Wednesday today with the Locked On Eagles. Gino Camilleri is going to join us in a little bit to break down the one and two Philadelphia Eagles who come to Lambeau Field on Thursday in a desperate position, particularly with the NFC North looking so strong, the NFC West looking so strong, and the Dallas Cowboys in their own division looking so strong. And I, we, we got a chance to talk with Mike Kay yesterday, and that was a great discussion, I felt like. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper here uh, with Gino, but. I wanted to go through, and because we're not going to have as much time to talk about Green Bay and and their matchup with the Eagles, I wanted to to bring in a little bit more of that discussion as we look at the Eagles on Thursday. So I went back and watched Philadelphia, and and what I found was a team that looked like a 1-2 and team. The Philadelphia Eagles look like a 1-2 and team on tape. There's a lot of good. And there's a lot of bad. There's some ugliness on the tape. There are blown assignments. There are fumbles. There are turnovers. There are drops. And sure, you can see the talent. Absolutely no question there is talent on this Eagles team. And that was never a question. No one no one would have said, oh, no, the Eagles, they're not talented. No, this is a team that there were a lot of people in the offseason saying was the most complete, most talented team in the NFL, not just the NFC. But when I when I went back and watched, you know, there are clear issues on this team. The Eagles offense is 11th in efficiency passing the ball, 20th in rushing. So they're a solid passing team. Not going to have Deshaun Jackson on Thursday. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back, but how healthy is he going to be? Dallas Goddard looks like he's going to play, but how healthy is he going to be? It's hard to say for sure. How big an impact can either of those guys have on the game compared to the Packers defense? You know, Kevin King is a great matchup for Alshon Jeffrey, who is not a great change of direction receiver and who is likely not going to be 100 percent in this game coming back off injury. This is also an Eagles offense that does not control the line of scrimmage consistently and against the Packers defense. That's going to be a problem. 22nd in adjusted line yards. And they're not getting a push. The interior of this offensive line really got eaten up in a lot of ways by Atlanta. Grady Jarrett, well, Kenny Clark, I expect to see a lot of Z'Darrius Smith inside. And if they can get pressure up the middle, that is a huge deal. The question is going to be how Green Bay matches up with Zach Ertz. It was out there that Detroit bracketed him. I don't think that is, that to me is just not accurate. Uh, What Detroit did was they consistently played underneath defenders in pass coverage. They had linebackers, safeties underneath so that they could also have defenders over the top. So it created a sort of bracket, but it wasn't a bracket specifically designed for Zach Ertz. And, And Detroit just did a good job of covering him. How is Green Bay going to handle that? Are they going to use Adrian Amos? Is that going to be a Josh Jackson assignment? Is that going to be something that Darnell Savage takes on as a rookie? Could be. I think there's a potential good fit there. On the other side of the ball, the Eagles defense, 20th in efficiency. Fourth against the run and 22nd against the pass inefficiency. And they're without Ronald Darby. They only have three NFL cornerbacks with any kind of meaningful NFL experience, and that is a place where I expect Green Bay to be able to take advantage. Sidney Jones is just not going to be able to cover Devontae Adams. Once Ronald Darby went out in the Lions game, Matthew Stafford went at him with Marvin Jones, and, and they did so successfully. And there were more plays out there for Detroit than they were able to hit and still put up 27 points because... Philly kept making mistakes. They kept beating themselves. You're not going to come into Lambeau and and beat yourself and expect to have the Packers do the same. They are not going to be here for that. This is, this is really interesting because Ed Fang from the Power Rank, someone who I have a lot of respect for, who has been on this show uh, and who I consider a friend of mine in this industry, uh, he wrote about from an analytic perspective, that it actually might be a good thing to let the other team have some success running the ball. And this, I felt, was so appropriate because this is the approach Mike Patton has taken this season and really last season as well, but didn't have the personnel to be able to account for the passing game in the same kind of way, and so we didn't get to see this this idea play out in the same kind of way. But the thought behind this is pretty simple. So, if you incentivize a team to run the ball, okay, you are incentivizing them to do something that is, even at its best, inefficient. Because the best running backs average five yards a carry. And the best running teams are usually in that high fours. Okay, the worst quarterbacks average six yards an attempt. Average ones in the sevens, good ones in the eights. So if you are a defense and a team is having some success against you, even if it is five yards per carry, by the way, not every carry is going to be five. There are going to be plenty of carries that are one, two, and three, but there are going to be some 10, 11, 12s, and that's fine so long as you're not giving up 75-yard runs, as Green Bay did to Dalvin Cook, the theory breaks down a little bit when you're giving those up because Minnesota ended up averaging over 7 yards an attempt in that game. You you can't let it go that far. There is a there is a breaking point for this. But think about it. If Kirk Cousins or Joe Flacco or Carson Wentz is going to average 7.5 yards per attempt, that's an okay number. That's a solid number. Solid to to you know, good to decent. No running game is going to give you seven yards of carry. And so, yeah, there are going to be plenty of second downs when you have second and six, second and five, and you're going, well, that that really sets up an easy third down. But there are going to be plenty of second and eights, second and nines, and you're incentivizing the other team to be inefficient. The Packers did this to the Denver Broncos. and And they didn't have, ultimately... Good success running the ball, even though there were times in the game when it seems like they were having success. Ultimately, they attempted a ton of plays on the ground. 38 attempts, but averaged under 4 yards an attempt. Joe Flacco wasn't much better, 4.6 yards an attempt, but that is still better. He only attempted 29 passes versus 38 attempts. This This is a great test case. So even though they were only marginally better throwing the ball per attempt, they were better. Over time, that is the more effective way to go. You know, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, 8.1 yards attempt against Denver. Now, they were not very good running the ball, but even a good running game, even a very good Aaron Jones game, let's say they average 5 yards a carry per play, that's way worse than the passing game. So, you know, Green Bay's defense... You know, they have not been great against the run. They don't really care. 22nd against the run in efficiency. Who cares? Because they're third against the pass and third overall. Those are not coincidences. The thing that matters in this league is can you defend the pass? Philadelphia is a better passing team than Green Bay has seen so far this season. They get Alshon Jeffrey back. But this secondary is going to be up to the task. And that is where the rubber meets the road this week. It is going to be strength versus strength in a lot of ways because that's what Philadelphia is good at. They're going to spread Green Bay out and they're going, to, they're going to make them defend five guys on a lot of these routes. And Green Bay is either going to win or lose based on how they defend those plays. I mean, I call these kinds of games dude games. It's about are our dudes better than your dudes? You need your studs to come through. Jair Alexander... Needs to come through. Darnell Savage needs to, needs to come through for this team compared to Alshon Jeffrey or Zach Ertz. Your dudes need to come through. And if your little dude needs to come through and isn't, that's where BlueChew.com comes in. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same fda active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Chew ships direct. In discreet packaging, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code locked on. Just pay five dollars shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Today's episode is also brought to you by Blinkist. All right, let me talk to you about. Blinkist. It is one of the most useful apps that you can have on your phone. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes. You can listen to it wherever you are. It's a podcast. So the same time you're listening to Locked on Packers, right after it or right before, I prefer after you can go on Blinkist and you can, you can get information, the seven habits of highly effective people, how to win friends and influence people, the four-hour work week, becoming by Michelle Obama. Whatever you want to do, the power of habits, you can make yourself better right after you make yourself smarter about the Green Bay Packers. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for my audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K, Blink, I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash locked on.
0: Turn off their screens and turn on your kids' imagination with Pinna, the only ad-free, screen-free audio app custom-made for kids. Get your kids puzzling and participating with podcasts. Hello and welcome to Don't Break the Rules. Audiobooks. The adventures of Captain Underpants. Music and more. Download Pinna from your app store to start your free trial. That's P-I-N-N-A. Pinna.
1: All right, let's get to Crossover Wednesday. You can follow Gino Camilleri. God, I love that name. The the Lockdown Eagles hosts, they have the best names. I swear, I love it. You can follow him on Twitter at Gino underscore L-O-E. Gino, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers, and let's dive right in here. Uh, Gino, the injury part of this for the Philadelphia Eagles is a huge part of the story for Thursday. It looks like Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back, but no Ronald Darby, likely no Deshaun Jackson. Let's start with the Alshon Jeffrey part of this. I watched the game against the Lions, and it, it to me it looked like an awful lot of like Mac Hollins, and it looks the offense. I assume looks a lot different when that's Alshon Jeffrey.
2: Yeah, I was talking to my co-host Lou today about that, and I got the notification come across my ticker, um, and I saw that Alshon was a full participant today, which is huge, because Alshon Jeffrey, he is what he is. He's a top 20 wide receiver, in my opinion, in the NFL, and he is this team's number one wide receiver, and when you don't have that weapon on the outside, and you have young guys like J.J. Sega whiteside and Matt Collins, who Matt Collins... Didn't even play it all last season. He's starting to get back healthy finally, and he's just thrust into this offense. Same with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Third game as a pro, really never had any intention on even getting playing time, probably until midway into the season. And now they're both thrust in there with no Elshon Jeffrey. and you you saw this offense struggle to win those one-on-one matchups, win those contested catches. They walked away with eight drops, and Elshon Jeffrey is outside of that New Orleans drop in the playoff games last year. He is as sure handed as anybody and the way Carson Wentz has been putting the ball on his receivers. It's a welcome addition back and same with a healthy Dallas Goddard. Those two guys are big chess pieces that this team is going to need going up against Green Bay because you guys have a hell of a secondary that I feel matches up really well with our team.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the the Eagles have so many different types of of receivers because they can split out running backs. I thought Miles Sanders was really impressive as a receiver. Uh, they have Nelson Aguilar, a little bit smaller, shifty, or slippery in the open field. They've got the big guy, Alshon Jeffrey, and then, you know, the, the multiple tight ends. But for Green Bay, uh, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and this secondary, they, they have a lot of different types as well. And, and if they want to, Mike Patton is not going to want to play Solely, you know, man coverage, and say, okay, Jair Alexander, you've got Nelson Aguilar and Kevin King, you've got Alshon Jeffrey. They're not going to do that, but they could if they wanted to, and and I think that's a unique weapon that that uh, Green Bay has to deploy here. If you're looking, you know, for one matchup and how you think the Packers are going to either have to or um, want to defend the Eagles, that is going to determine how successful. The Eagles can be is it Zach Ertz
2: I think if you look at Detroit's game plan last week and they didn't really take Zach Ertz out of the equation as much as like a, a Belichick-esque defense would and completely get him out of the game plan Zach Ertz still had his chances but it, the way you're making it seem is do you think they'll play a lot more zone defense then in that regard or do you think that they won't play matchups or they will play more man how, how do you think think their defense will match up because then that'll that'll get into how I answer this question because.
1: Well, I, th- I think Mike Patton is going to show a lot of different kind of looks. So I don't, I don't think they're going to say, Hey, uh, Adrian Amos, this is, this is your guy today. They're not yeah. going to play cat defense. You know, you got yeah. this cat. I think they're going to do a little bit of what, what Detroit did that I thought was smart is a lot in a lot of, of instances they kept, even if they were playing man on the outside, uh, they had underneath defenders to make it hard for Carson Wentz to find those crossing routes, um, you know, the the mesh concepts that mm-hmm. Philadelphia likes to run, and there's going to be a defender underneath and behind wherever they're trying to get the ball. It, it, that would be my guess when it comes to what Mike Patton wants to do.
2: Yeah, so if you're going to play in that regard and you do play man on the outside, for example, let's say you play man with Alshon Jeffrey this team is going to struggle without Deshaun Jackson to open things up down the field. It's just the formula that has been in this equation for this offense the past two years without a vertical element, they really struggle to get into the deep third of the field. But you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, and they have a bunch of guys who excel into those short and intermediate areas. So like you said, they're going to have to have guys underneath that can cut off those those crossers, those short crossers. And I think this game, out of all the Eagles games so far, is going to come a lot down into coaching and how Doug Peterson can exploit these matchups. Because uh, Elshon Jeffrey can beat a lot of cornerbacks in man and one-on-one. And Zach Ertz is one of the best route-running tight ends in the league and can win a lot of one-on-one matchups. But teams key in on that. We obviously know that they're going to... Uh, Mike Patton is a great defensive coordinator. We know that he finally has a secondary that can match up with a lot of these guys. I feel like he's going to try and limit what they do with those two big play guys, which Zach Ertz likes to get things underneath. So if you take away him underneath and take Zach Ertz, I mean, uh, Elshon Jeffrey, rather, outside, get him uncomfortable in those intermediate areas and almost put... You're going to have to bracket him at times because I don't feel... If you're not going to guard him with Kevin King, who's probably your bigger corner, I would assume, and as opposed to Jair Alexander, I feel like you'd have to go more to a double coverage on a guy like Elshon than if you would just a one-on-one matchup with Kevin King. But it's going to take a lot of creativ- creativity, in my opinion. They're going to have to scheme a lot of guys open. I think they did a great job in that against Detroit. I don't think the Eagles' offense had a problem moving the ball. It was just execution. There were guys open all throughout the field, if you watch the game, even when they were playing that coverage where they did have guys over the top and underneath, there were guys open. It's just, can you execute? Can you catch the ball? And can Doug Peterson out-scheme Mike Patton? Because this is two teams, an offense and a defense, that has a lot of chess pieces and who can get their guys in a position one or two steps ahead of the other team. I, I, it's going to be a very good matchup between Patton and Doug Peterson. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at what what uh, Philadelphia did to Detroit is there was a lot of 11 personnel, three receivers, mm-hmm. a tight end, and a running back, but it didn't mean that it was going to look traditional. There were a lot of times when they had that personnel grouping and it was empty when you, when you split Sanders out and, and Ertz plays a lot off the line of scrimmage as well. So it seems like this is going to be a game where, it's going to be a question of can Philadelphia's personnel outplay Green Bay's personnel? Can their offensive players, along with the scheme, because they're going to need help from the scheme to get open? Can they get open against what has been really the best secondary in football outside of you know maybe New England, uh, I, Buffalo probably in that conversation as well. But I mean, when when you add in what this front has been able to do, it, it's going to be a matter of can the offense in those one-on-one situations. Can they win and or can Doug Peterson do enough with the scheme to just get guys free?
2: Yeah, I absolutely think you hit it right on the head there and you can listen to lockdown Eagles podcast at any time and just know my affection for this Green Bay secondary. My best friend uh, is a Green Bay Packers co-owner because he has that <laughs> slip of paper saying that he's an <laughs> owner. So I get a brunt of a uh, Packers hate and Packers stuff in my inbox. So I'm very impartial to the Green Bay team, and I I like to look at that team from an unbiased perspective, and I can honestly look at that defense and say there are not many weak points to it. I love Darnell Savage more than many other prospects that I've ever loved coming out of a draft class. I think what he has the ability to do as a free safety in his regards to range, his click-and-close ability, it's just surreal, and the rise he had in draft season from being a guy who was just on the outside looking in at many draft circles to being one of the top safeties taken in the classes truly speaks to him. And then Jair Alexander's a dog and Kevin King was just, if Sidney Jones wasn't at Washington, he would have been the number one corner. You guys finally have it together and you guys have just uh, an array across both the back end and front end. And to give Aaron Rodgers a defense for once is a scary thing to think about. And, The great thing about it is, though, that if you want to compete in the NFC, I said to Lou and I said to our fans, this is a game that you're going to have to beat. And if you trust your coaching staff, you trust your offense, I have no doubt in my mind that this Eagles team can outplay the Packers. But I think like you said and like I said, you have to execute. You have to outscheme Patton because this Green Bay Packers team, they do a good job of keeping a lot of things in front of them. I haven't seen too many explosive plays on this defense, this Eagles team. It's going to have to be a death by a thousand cuts to get to the end zone, but that's how you're going to have to do it. I would expect Zach Ertz to be targeted a lot. I would expect Elshon Jeffrey to be targeted a lot. And hopefully you can scheme open Nelson Aguilar more than we did last week. And hopefully a healthy Dallas Goddard really supplants things in the past game. And Hey, you mentioned Miles Sanders. I think he is arguably one of the biggest weapons in this offense, not just in the run game, but the pass game too. His most effective plays last week were in the pass game. And
1: All right, we're going to get back to Gino in just a second, but before we do, let's talk about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie has the fastest payouts and the best lines that you can find. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit with the promo code locked on at mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code locked on and they will double. Double your, you don't even have to bet double your first deposit bonus you haven't even placed a bet yet and they've doubled your money think about that mybookie.ag promo code locked on to double your first deposit mybookie you play you win you get paid you're worried about the packers injury report i get it but what happens when you wind up on the injury report the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is transforming the way healthcare is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. There are only 120 academic medical centers in the country. The Freer and MCW Network is one of only two in the state and the only one in eastern Wisconsin. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find innovative cures for complex diseases, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. It's like having a two-time MVP quarterback under center. You know you're in good hands, and you might just see things you never thought possible. Freighter and MCW physicians have been part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent and treat diseases. Still wondering what academic medicine offers you? Visit www.freighter.com academic. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network. This is what is possible.
0: This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. If you're frustrated with Aaron Rodgers as your starting fantasy football quarterback and in relation not happy about the early non-touchdown returns of wide receiver Devontae Adams, be patient with the Packers passing game. Green Bay opened up against three opponents with not only good, strong defenses, but also weak passing offense that faced its much improved defense. That's a formula that leads to low volume and average production out of a run-heavy approach. But over the next several weeks, Rodgers will get to go to work against the Eagles, Cowboys, Lions, Chargers, and Chiefs, game script situations that favor him throwing both more and more effectively. Rodgers may not seem like it now, but he's a QB1 who's about to deliver a big number of games, and when he does, Adams will be involved too. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider.
1: The one place that I think coming into this season, the season the big question for Philadelphia in terms of do they have dudes is in that secondary and yeah. you lose Ronald Darby mm-hmm. and now three healthy NFL cornerbacks right now uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're Philadelphia is this going to be a game where you just have to you just have to count on Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and those guys to go hunt? Because it doesn't seem like if Rodgers has time, the secondary is going to be able to do much against guys like Devontae Adams.
2: Yeah, that's the thing that it's kind of like a, a tightrope that this defense has just been figuring out how to walk. The front hasn't gotten there. We're going to call a spade a spade. They haven't done it collectively getting the sacks. But if you look at all the analytics and all the ESPN next-gen stats, which I'm very big into, um, the Philadelphia Eagles front is the third most effective at winning at the pass rush point, which is quite interesting because their edge rushers have no sacks and their only guy who is on the active roster with a sack plays in their secondary. So the statistics in the box score might not be there, but that's why we don't box score scout. So the front has to get there, but they have to do a good job to get to Aaron Rodgers. It all comes down to, though, is covering on the back end. It's going to be a test. The defense, in my opinion, looked much better when Ronald Darby went out. The thing with Ronald Darby is he can't really tackle, so this team doesn't really trust him to get his hands on the guy and make a tackle in the open field. He's just going to run with you and hopefully run you into safety help. The two guys, Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones, that's where they excel. They are very good open field tacklers, but the question is, Can you keep Devontae Adams in front of you?
1: Yeah, Ian Harditz, who covers the NFL for Roto World, had a thread in August about last year, all the number one receivers that absolutely ate up the Eagles Mm -hmm. secondary, and that was when Darby was healthy and playing much better. Now the injuries to the secondary were a big part of that, but we're back to the injuries in the secondary again this week. So something to keep an eye on. Las Vegas says this is not quite a touchdown game but a little bit more than a field goal somewhere in that four and a half five five and a half range what, what do you see on Thursday we're a little bit closer than we normally are on these crossover shows to the actual game and so I don't always like asking for predictions but you know we're we're just hours away now from the game so give me your prediction about Thursday
2: I hate playing Thursday win or lose because you always have so much stress of how the national media is going to take it but From my opinion, for the Lockdown Eagles fans and for everybody listening, I'm more optimistic than most. I believe that this Eagles team is in a place that they play well from. They do well on Thursday nights. They do well as underdogs. Like you said, it's about a five-point game right now. If it was in Philly, it'd probably be a two-point game in Green Bay's favor. That's how Vegas works. Being home, that's the three-point swing there. I expect it to be a field goal game. I I don't think this is a Green Bay team that you're going to run over by any means. And this game is going to be close. The one thing that I think the Eagles can exploit here. And uh, Dan Orlovsky pointed this out that after the first quarter where the Eagles actually start to turn things up is in the second half. And after the first quarter for Green Bay, it starts to take a downswing in that the script plays that Matt LaFleur likes to run has your offense running at the seventh, best offense right now but between quarters two and four it's the 30th best offense so can the eagles get past that first quarter and keep the damage of those script play down if so i believe that this eagles team can hold this green bay team to around 21 to 24 points it's can this team score 24 to 27 points going to be tough to do on a Green Bay defense that is very good up front and on the back end I I inevitably think it comes down to a field goal Philly just it's a it's a hungry team going one and three does not sound good especially in a division with Dallas I just think desperation is going to kick in for this Eagles team with a healthy Alshon Jeffrey a healthy Dallas Goddard they don't have young guys that are going to make mistakes I I think 24 21 is final I, I think it's very close and Vegas hits it right about on the head with five and a half points.
1: For the record, uh, opposing hosts are 0 for 3 on Crossover Wednesday, predicting the Packers' outcome from their perspective. I just want to let you know that. (laughs) I might have to change
2: that.
1: (laughs) It's a a bad omen for you. Uh, This is is a game where I I felt uh, coming into this week that this would have been one of the harder games on the schedule, given the way that Philadelphia plays. I think the thing you have to lean on is – The the desperation, right? This is a team with pedigree. This is a a Doug Peterson coached team that has proven it's going to be desperate. And with their backs against the wall, they are going to play their asses off. I think they're going to have specials for this game. I think they're going to go on fourth down. I think they're going to go for two. This is this is an all in. Situation, And that would be the only thing from my perspective that would give me pause about picking the Packers because I think they have market advantages in in so many other places right now, given the way these teams are playing. I wouldn't, you know, in a vacuum, I don't know that the advantages are that big, but given the way these two teams are playing, I think Green Bay has some pretty sizable advantages, especially with the injury situation. I think this is like a thirty to twenty four game. Philadelphia has not kept an opponent under twenty four this season. I don't see why they would keep Green Bay under twenty four at home on a short week for Green Bay, which means it's a short week for that Eagles defense that's already shorthanded. So I like thirty to twenty four. I like the Packers to cover. And uh, I, I look, I did pick against the Packers in Week One, but um, my my picks have been better than my my. Uh, Crossover counterparts picks this year. I'll just that I'm just that's what I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. It
2: makes a lot of sense. It falls right in line with the Vegas line. It makes total sense. I hate going to Lambo on a short week. I think that's just not a place that you want to go play, especially with the track.
1: You should love going to Lambo by the way. If you've never been, absolutely check. I would.
2: Yeah, I have to get there one day. But man, I just think back to a couple years ago when we had to sit through. Aaron Rodgers just absolutely bludgeoning Mark Sanchez. And that that game just sits so bad in my mouth. And the only time we've beat you guys in Lambo was when uh it wasn't Matt Flint, who was it? Scott Tolzien I think we beat that one year. But mm-hmm. would it be nice to beat an Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely, but going into Lambeau, no easy task. I think it'll be a good game. I'm I'm excited. It could be a potential playoff matchup for the future. So Let's see what we got. Um, I'm excited to see this one. Win or lose, it's it's gonna be a good game. Two very evenly matched teams, in my opinion. And I'm ready to see that Green Bay defense. They're they're exciting to watch.
1: 53-20 oh, was, was the final terrible. in 2014, by the way. 30 to 6 was the halftime score, and it wasn't that close. So uh it's not Mark Sanchez <laughs> at the helm that, that, this time. Uh, well, that's
2: the only good thing. <laughs>
1: no. But the last time the Packers played Carson Wentz was the first game of the run-the-table stretch. Devontae Adams ate up those Eagles corners, and Green Bay won in Philadelphia on Monday night, as I recall. So a primetime game against a depleted Eagles defense with Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers trying to get off the schneid. I don't know. There's a lot of symmetry there. Uh, Gino. this was really fun. Should be a fun game. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the, the crossover Wednesday chat
2: absolutely yeah it's always good to talk with uh an in-conference rival and somebody we can see again in the future so thank you for having me on I'm, i can't wait for our fans to listen and i think you gave them a lot of good information and i wouldn't be a lockdown eagles host without leaving you with the fly eagles fly so good luck thursday pete and uh not go pet go